Hello and welcome to the 62nd episode of the Sausage Factory. This is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show we interview video game developers, well, normally, and ask them about how they made their start making games, normally, what their influences are, again, normally, and who inspires them, again, in a normal state of affairs, split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, again, normally, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, again, normally. But in this case, we're talking about Indie Game Stand, which isn't a game at all. Matt, please, who are you and what do you, what do, you do? Uh, my name is Matt uh, Cangelosi. I am co-owner and basically the head of marketing for IndieGameStand.com. Cool. So, how did you make your start working in the video game industry? Uh, I went to school for entertainment business, and I always wanted to work in, you know, either radio or music or gaming. And at the time, gaming was a little bit difficult to get into for a business position, so it was a little difficult. So I ended up going into the music business for a little bit, working at a record label working at a, a company called PV, which makes like guitars and amps and stuff like Can that. Can I just pause you for a moment there? Because mm-hmm. I want to delve a little bit into that. So you worked in the music industry, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you're working as for a label. Was it a particularly large label, or was it just a small independent one? I, mean, new- I was uh, EMI, okay. um, so one of the big ones, Yeah, yeah. Before, before they got bought out. <laughs> right. Who bought them out in the end? I can't remember. Was it-, it was... Um, so, uh, Universal no. Music. Oh, Universal. UMG, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and you worked in um, A&R, was it? Or I worked in the marketing department right? Uh, for a little while. And then during the buyout, you know, it was kind of, it was a few years ago when all the big labels were kind of crashing. And yes, like people for, were just getting fired. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. So when they, when there's a consolidation of, uh, and it still hasn't really settled itself at all, has it? Oh no, not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> no. It's it's still quite problematic for reasons we could go into because there's some some common or well, some link between the two mediums, music and mm-hmm. video games. But um I just I I find that the you know, music uh, where it is and it's quite it's quite fascinating how fragmented it is and how chaotic it is and how the old model still doesn't work even though people just don't understand that. Um, and how artists don't make any money actually selling music, which is crazy. But um... yeah, I mean it's <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so I interrupted you. Carry on. You 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 obviously moved on from there. Yeah, I I kind of needed to jump ship um, from that opportunity just because the business was kind of going in a way that like wasn't really conducive for you know new aspiring entertainment music business people you know so i had to kind of move on from there oh it was great but again it's just a crazy business like the music business is nuts i mean it is very synonymous with the gaming business in many ways i i I, yes and like i said i've found it fascinating and i remember reading a story uh and there's a link there's a link here direct video game link and music link uh one of my favorite artists is is jonathan colton uh, of uh uh, still alive fame from Portal. You know, wrote that song, yeah? Yeah. And I read, read, read a story where he actually made a half a million dollars with music sales alone. 
He made half a million. Half a million. Through music sales yeah. alone. And when I know you're like, how did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, is the secret? What did he do? Well, basically self-published and he wrote mm. everything himself and recorded it himself and produced it himself and engineered it himself and arranged it himself, which means that maybe 2% went to admin and 98 went to him. It's the way to go if you can yeah. do it. If you could, well, if you're extremely talented, which I think he is, and because, and he, that's that's the thing. It's like we had, that's how he won. That's how he got across. I mean, he's he has a very niche audience. Ask the average mm-hmm. Joe, who Jonathan Colton is, no idea. But you and I know, he's got a huge fan base. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, <laughs> and that and that that works for you. I mean, if you can build that up, that's really like your set. Yeah. So. No, I, I appreciate your point there that um, making money in video and music is, is, is imploded pretty much. Thanks, um, thanks. Um, let's see, Apple. Yeah, they probably helped that. <laughs> <laughs> Napster didn't do do much good either. Or maybe it did. It's all relative, isn't it? So do carry on. Uh, yeah. So it was. I just kind of saw it was time to kind of get out of that. So I went and got an opportunity with a company called PV. Right. Which, like I said, they make um, they're they're international. They make guitars and amps and yes, um, all kinds of things. And I worked down there for a while, um, which was great. I mean, it wasn't a label; it was a manufacturer. I worked in marketing, and yeah. it was it was fun. Um, it was a good experience, but at the same time, I was also had been working on indie game stand at night on the side. So you always um, you always love games anyway. Of course you do, because you're a human being. Yay. But so, but you were doing this publishing thing, which is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to, I wanted to be in gaming. I, I just, I knew I wanted to work in video games, but I wasn't a coder. Like, I'm not a programmer. So, for those of us who love video games and have wanted to work in gaming since we were we were young or whatever, some it's a, yeah. it's a very interesting thing to not be a programmer because there's not tons of jobs and you kind of have to snake your way in you know yeah it's uh, i've interviewed many many people on this show well it's be 62nd person uh well groups of people who sometimes have more than one of course on the show and you know they come from various but generally speaking the the most sort of light touch i've heard is people doing modding but even mm-hmm. when you're doing modding you know you're changing you're still having to code a little bit exactly you know and if you're if you're that's not in your wired your brain is wired to, to reject coding, which unfortunately <laughs> are people like that. Then that's you know really off limits, isn't it? Really, definitely. I mean, I've always. I mean, I'm a technical guy. I've done IT and things like that with computers. But as far as like programming and scripting, no, no way. That no. is that is beyond. Yeah, it's just like anything. No, I'm, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Music, no. yeah, I can do that for you, but. This coding, no, no, no. <laughs> tried it, can't do it. Yeah, throw, I want to throw my computer out the window. Doesn't I've accepted stick. it. It's not it for me. Just doesn't stick. That's that's fine. So okay, so you're doing that. So you're doing a day job, which you loved, but then you had this indie game stand. So so, and uh, what was the change? What was the the switch? Is it relatively recent that it happened? Well, indie game stand's been around for about two and a half years, and I had got on board. Um, when they launched through a friend, through a friend who was the owner and and one of the founders, right? 
And this was about two and a half years ago, maybe three, almost three years ago. And I had just kind of been doing it on the side, you know, while working my, my day jobs and just kind of building it up. And that eventually got to a point about a year ago in which an opportunity arose that I could become, do that full time. Okay. Um, with the, with my current business partner and the other co-founder, Mike Ganade. Uh, right. Which was a little over a year ago, and and that's that's what we're doing now. Hence the promotion of of the of it uh, at packs and things this year. Which yeah, is a good idea. Uh, yeah, we always go. We always try to we always try to go and have a presence and, and do different yeah. things. But it's really only within the past year has has um for me indie game stand become a much more of a primary job role. Um, okay. And now I'm now a co-owner. You know what I mean. So mm. it's 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 really it's really kind of come to fruition only in this past year. We'll get into more detail about what indie games that is. I'll give you an opportunity to pitch exactly what it is. But before we do, I want to ask you because you're having so many interactions with developers, who do you most admire in that crowd of people? Or, oh man! You can. I mean, uh, I can give you. It's all right for you to say, "Oh, and Nintendo, are awesome." That's fine. That's that's a good gimme. I don't mind doing that. It's true they are, but uh, so you're cool. You don't if you don't want to annoy anyone, that's also cool. No, I, I think I, I think I can I can answer that in two two parts. Really, right. I think it's it's crazy because of the the volume of developers I work with yeah. on a daily basis and see on our platform. Yeah. Um, compared with you know my personal favorites for like just game developers, um, AAA or indie or otherwise. Mm. If I'm going to just stay strictly to like indie independent game developers, yep. I would say easily Behold Studios, which just released Chroma Squad. Okay. And another one of my favorites to work with and just games I really enjoy is a studio called Soma Sim Studios, who did right. a game called 1849. Right. I have to get them on the show. <laughs> they, they're awesome. Both, okay. both teams are awesome. Right. Okay. Um,. Great answer. Obviously, two people you've worked with on frequent mm-hmm. basis, and uh, I have to check those games and them out too. So, my last question about you as a person, and this uh, I think is important to answer, especially for yourself, is and you can I would you know answer as honestly as you like. Um, is what are you playing right now? What am I playing right now? Just what's uh. what's occupying? What's distracting you from looking after indie game stand? Bloodborne on PS4. Really? Oh my god! <laughs> Have you new game plus it, or are you still plowing your way through? I'm still playing my way through it. I never. I hate. I hated Dark Souls, just because I was bad at it and I didn't give what, it the time one or of two, day. or just both of them. Both of them. Did you? What about Demon Souls? Did you like that? I didn't play Demon Souls. Okay, right. But That's I bought the only Bloodborne. One I finished. Yeah, I bought Bloodborne because I just heard it was amazing, and I played it. I hated the first hour of it. I was so <laughs> mad, and then immediately I'm just hooked on it. Yeah. I can't stop playing it. I, I I love it. I hate it. I've got my girlfriend like watching me on share play, and she's helping me out, and I'm yelling and and getting mad. But it it invokes a a physical and emotional reaction that has brought me back to the days when I was like really young, just playing games that just like you wanted to like freak out. Like when you died in Mario a million times or something like that, it's like the same kind of just like, I can't sleep until I finish this and, yeah. and I'm loving it. It's, um, they got it right. 
they brought it completely up to date, whereas keeping hold of the idea of it's okay for games to be challenging, you know. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's okay. Also, you know, this whole lack of information stuff, that's okay too. It's all right for you to discover things on your own rather than you putting literal breadcrumbs across the screen. I'm looking at you, Fable. (laughs) 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 You know, it's just like, don't... Really? I think I don't... Oh, never mind. Um, Whereas, you know, uh, I I have played... I haven't got it because I have many other games to play right now. So I I generally... uh, I had a bit of an oath earlier on uh, this year to say, look, stop it. Enough of the piling up of games that you're not going to play play the bloody ones you've got exactly once you're finished once you're satisfied or sated there's a word um you can actually start by and it's really really you saved a lot of money <laughs> yeah i got i have the witcher and bloodborne those yeah. are the two games i'm pretty much primarily playing in my free time and then again chroma squad the game i mentioned before is kind of like the the pc game i play if i only have like a half hour or something i just jump on and play for a little bit okay I've been playing Not a Hero a lot on my PC. That's a good game. I haven't gotten it yet. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, but I'm trying to have some mental restraint to only play like a couple games at a time, so I actually complete them. Yeah, it's for me. It's that and Pillars of Autumn. Pillars of Autumn. What that? Pillars of Eternity. Oh, it's on my list. Yeah, Pillars it's on my list. I keep calling that because of freaking Halo. But no, Pillars of Eternity is a glorious, glorious RPG, and uh, it is much celebrated and deserved so. And uh, so, yeah. But uh, and of course Fallout Four, yay! Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know I did say this show wasn't topical, but come on, we can't. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was just as excited as anybody else. I mean, I just I, watched it and I said, "Oh, I'm actually going to Boston tomorrow." How 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 themed? Yeah, you know? how themed. I'm just super yeah. excited. It's just lovely. Uh, oh, it's just yeah. Well, I love Bethesda. They're I mean they're the they're the one of my favorite. Um, Developers, yeah. publishers, what have you. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just, they make quality products. They get it right. They really get it right. Yep. Sadly, sometimes they get it wrong. I'm looking at you, Elder Scrolls Online. What were you thinking? And you- <laughs> hey, I love, hey, I'm, I'm an Elder Scrolls Online player. I, I, I just got back into it. <gasps> Is it I get- less tedious now? <laughs> you know what? I got it when it came out. I was super yeah. excited and I hated it. Yes. And then they made it free like two months ago and me and my girlfriend have been playing it constantly really i don't know what happened to it but all of a sudden it really really got me i don't really know what i like about it but it hours and hours i've dumped into it in the past month or two yep yeah a friend of mine is <laughs> we were sort of di- dissecting various mmos and they finally sighed at me sighed and looked at me and said, look are any of them wow no well there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think I think that you know I think we we need to get out of that. I get we it. Need I think to. The industry need needs to, to stop it. doing that. Well, I've done it myself. Going, what's the problem? And I list all these things and go, and then eventually we're like, it's because it's not wow, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I do. I do. Oh, is that? Oh, it's not. You know, a play a shooter online. Is it? Is it? It's not Counter Strike. I don't want to yeah. play it. I don't want to play it. No. But, uh. but 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 yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we, you know we're. You know, self-fulfilling prophecy. Just stop it. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like MOBAs, you know. Like, oh, is it Dota? No. Or is it League of Legends? No. Yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I know. It's it's bad. It's real bad. 
So that's what happens when a really good game comes out, you know, that kind of puts a foothold. It's there's something about the game that's so good. That's like, why do I need anything different? You know, I mean, look at the survival series. There's a new survival early access game on Steam every three days. And I say to myself, like, what is wrong with X, Y, Z? Like, I still haven't played the forest. Yeah. And 20 other survival well, yeah, island the, games the, have come out. You and know? the Minecraft games as well, what I call, like, I think it's what you call it as well, where you build something mm-hmm. and then have to survive the creatures. Is that what you're talking about? Is that the survival In game? a way, in a way. They're, they're all kind of like, the, you know, for me, I'm not a huge fan of those games, but it's just whenever I see one come up, I'm like, oh, I can kill sharks now. And I'm like, I really would like to do that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I know. think enough already, you know. <laughs> yeah. The boilerplate stuff is just not... And I think that's what indie game stands about. It's like let's just let the things that are new and different and inter- interesting, and not for not for the wrong reasons, but for the right reasons, to rise to the top. And it's just annoying seeing these Me Too products. It's like you know, Threes. Threes is an amazing game, even though I'm profoundly bad at it. It's a great game. And then all these clones appeared. Like, no, no, all of those other clones didn't get Threes at all. Because mm-hmm. it has that charm, it has that whimsy, it has that music, and it has that things that happen in it, which are you know the little cubes start talking to each other, and it's quite funny, and it just has it's amusing. Whereas everything else, it's just, and that's we don't want that, you know. It's um, anyway. Let's move on to the second half of the show, where we talk about indie game stand. the zeroth question i know as a mock reference tell us give us the pitch what was the what's what makes indie game stand it, what it is what is it so indie game stand is the best way i can describe it is a you know we're, we're traditionally an e-commerce store but more more so we're a platform for indie developers strictly indie developers to feature their games and sell them through a few different methods that we have right um, or we're one of the few indie-only stores. What qualifies out an indie there? developer in your in your remit? What do you determine to be an indie developer? I mean, that's, is it revenue? Is it size of staff? What is it? Well, I think that 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 in itself is the the term indie game has kind of is quite broad. Mm, um, I think. <laughs> yeah, so, so for us, it's more so, you know, not AAA. I, I think we're very cut and dry, the classic AAA versus independent. You know, a game like Anti-Chamber, which was massively successful and made millions of dollars, 
technically speaking, is still an indie game. It is, yes. Um, Bastion, I mean, can be determined as, is that really an indie game? It had mil- a lot of money by a really popular developer. Is that still an indie game? Yes, some people would say yes, some people would say no. Um, well, you know, I, it's it's when you have hundreds, um, uh, like, a, like a developer that has, you know, hundreds... Mm-hmm. Ubisoft or something. That's obvious, though, isn't it? I'm trying yeah. to find. I'm trying to find something that's kind of borderline. Like, which which one is it? I mean, because you have a lot of developers who are doing work for other developers, mm-hmm. and you don't even know it. You yeah. know this, but they they basically freelance, don't they? They they're guns for hire, where they do all sorts of rendering stuff, or they do basically coding that is just too difficult for another mm-hmm. developer to do. So they say, well, they farm it out to various other and you wouldn't believe <laughs> well you would because you yeah. know but the, the amount of stuff that um, indie developers have actually contributed to AAA games directly, oh yeah, not yeah. you wouldn't even know yeah you wouldn't you just, even know you wouldn't yeah. know you wouldn't know like oh yeah I worked on that game or I worked on that Need for Speed did you and you're just like <laughs> you did that and then they then at the same time they're releasing this little iPhone game like I, I don't understand. I'm scared. And apparently that's what happened. So, yeah, uh, I just wanted to ask. I mean, I think the basic one would be they wouldn't have a publisher. Maybe that's one. I don't know. Well, How does it I work? think that because there, there are some smaller publishers like Devolver Digital. Indeed, um, yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's really tough because you do have companies like, like Supergiant who does Transistor. Yeah. And they they are they have a lot of resources and a, and a can kind of unlimited resources almost, if Double you will. Fine. Another one, yeah. Exactly, due to the the success of their previous games. So I yeah. think throwing them in as the same class of indie developers as you know, like a two person team that's working out of their basement is a little is a little different. Mm. But as far as a genre, it is still technically speaking an indie game. I don't think that we're far enough along in the in the lifespan of independent game development to kind of separate the two just mm. yet. Uh, I think we're getting there, but they're all kind of encapsulated into that that. Ooh. you know, indie development kind of key term. So before I get into the nitty-gritty about um, the indie game stand, I just wanted to sort of ask, now you've had through three years' experience working on the publishing and distribution arm of video games, how is that compared to your experience with music? Oh, man. I mean, in general, I think working for a small company is an entirely different experience yes. than working for a large corporation. I mm-hmm. think that that experience is stressful, it's rewarding, it's emotional, it's all kinds of different things. You know, it's 24-7. Right. It's really crazy. I, I love it. I hate it. Mm. Um, but at the same time, we're kind of on the same scale as the developers that we support. True. So it's interesting. You know, we're like a three-person team. And some of these developers are three-person teams. And yes. a lot of the other stores, the the game stores, have much larger teams than us. So um, it's it's a very it's a very interesting uh, job to really have. Honestly. I was just really alluding to the the way the two mediums are marketed, mm-hmm. and delivered. How does that compare? It's more you an know, abstract it's, question, really. Yeah, I think it really it it to focus on that specific question. You know, with music, you have your 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 formats you have your spotify you have your itunes and then you have let's say some of the other ones in there like beats and and i'm not really sure about all the other things i'm just throwing it off the top i use spotify yeah, but yeah. 
Then you have other services like Bandcamp and SoundCloud, which you can buy like anything that people put up. So I think they're really very similar, whereas Steam would be compared to like the iTunes store. Yeah. And then you also have like the Bandcamp, what have you, as more of like the independent focus thing where anybody could kind of pop their stuff up and, and sell it for whatever mm-hmm. price they want. Yeah. So it's almost it's almost exactly the same as the two businesses. Yeah. And it really relies on the focus of the creators to do the promotion for them because both platforms only have so many resources. But it, they're they're very, very similar. I would say that gaming is now getting to that point as music now is. Uh, I don't think it's has always been there. I think now that the ability for independent platforms like us are allowed to exist in the space, I think yeah. that it is kind of become almost exactly like the music business, which is a good and bad thing, really. Yes, it is a good and bad thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, this this latest generation of consoles is I'm going to say it the weirdest release ever. <laughs> it's the only way I can describe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does it doesn't feel yeah. like the big because I remember, yep. Christ, I remember in '64. You know, I remember when that came out, or the PS One came out. That was that was an anomaly. You and I know this that the, the PS One mm-hmm. uh, was an anomaly, <laughs> and no one saw it coming, uh, apart from the Edge magazine, maybe. But Jesus, that that uh, that was crazy times. But uh, this latest one, the PS Four and the Xbox One, especially Xbox One. I mean, that was like, oh, maybe you're right, but we should get rid of that. Oh, maybe uh, all that stuff we said. All that TV, 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 sports, sports, mm-hmm. TV. T- yes, we're really sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost crazy. so competitive that it, yeah. it doesn't. You know, when you had like your Xbox, like your, I'm sorry, your um, PlayStation One and your N64, like they were competitors, but at the yes. same time, like not really. Like either you were going to get one or the other yeah. because yeah. you wanted GoldenEye or what have you. And I guess yeah. that still kind of exists now a little bit, but with all the the digital content, you know. You, and a lot of people just have both consoles. Me too. Well, I, you know, they just if they can afford it, they're just like I'm going to get both. Or, but yeah. most games are on both platforms. You know, whereas yeah. back then that was not the case. No, it wasn't. All. No, it was fiercely, uh, fiercely fought over. Yeah, I never forget when Final Fantasy VII like arrived. Like, hey, what isn't this supposed to be? On a- oh God, <laughs> how did Sony pull that one off? But people don't remember this. Yeah, because <laughs> everyone was like, you know, all the Final Fantasy games were on Nintendo, and that's how it was. Yeah. Then somehow Sony like convinced Square that actually you know maybe you should put that on this. And now like, they're on thing. both. And now they're you on know, both. They're on both. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's awesome time to be in. It's got to be said. So, um, my first detailed question is: This, this is basically a, another feeder one for you, but uh, the, the second one's more detailed. But what differentiates indie game stand from other retail outlets for games? Apart from the fact it's just indie, let's just move on a little bit more than that. One more from you. Sure, um, we're we're a little bit more. We're, we're we have a lower barrier to entry than some of the bigger stores like Steam or GOG um, would have, but we also are, are a little more curated than some of the other stores that are out there that that also focus on digital retail we have we have we have dozens of we have about 700 or so games in our store right now right and that is you know heavily moderated down from what potentially could be a thousands right. so that's one thing and then the other thing is that we are our, our flagship kind of service has always been the pay what you want deal every four days which is mm-hmm. what we launched with 
and that is something that we've we've always done and it's it's a great resource and it's it's something that no one else really does i mean there's bundle sites but we're we're not a bundle site you know we we do one game at a time for pay what you want yeah instead of just jumping like 10 games for two bucks or what have you yeah i found that it's like oh we've got this bundle come out really i've got most of those why <laughs> yeah we don't we don't yeah no, no. so annoying it's like I would spend, but I've got seven of the eight you're offering. Why? That's and the developers only get like ten cents per copy with some yeah. of these things, you know. And I think that yeah. we kind of started before the whole bundle craze got out of control, and when we've yeah. kind of retained, you know, our our business model, like our our goal and our kind of I still, moral view, you know. I still remember first seeing the humble bundle. Like, what is? It was that? crazy. People yeah, were, was, yeah, we've got this idea. We're gonna what? You just pay for? And I was sitting there just basically frozen, like, what do I do? I can't insult these people. Yeah. All these awesome games, and yet I can only give them 20 pence for them. Like, Yeah, it was nuts. It was definitely a crazy thing. Yeah. 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 And, and you just didn't want to be a jerk, did you? You just didn't want to be a jerk. So you gave them 10 bucks or something. Like, they don't want to be an idiot. They don't want to be a monster. So you just balanced it. So it is really emotional you know, blackmail, rotten sods. But it was, you know, it's it's great. But then the, the big the AAA developers started muscling in and like, what are you doing? Like EA's bundle, like, what? No, go away. This is not for you. But uh, oh well, you know, like I said, most of those games already owned or I had no interest in. But there it is. So that's what you're saying that you're curated. Who does the curating? Yeah. Is it you or three of you? Is there it's, a team of people? Do you, what do you do? Basically, between myself and my partner, Mike, um, we, we do the primary curation. We also have a really awesome community that kind of either suggests games to us or if we're unsure if we should list a game, um, we ask them. And, and believe me, it's my least favorite thing in the world to deny a game for our store, but mm-hmm. that's just the nature of things right now. Uh, or yeah. deny a game for a pay-what-you-want deal. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel good, but... I also have a, an obligation to to our community and our consumers to kind of you know help them select the games because the, it's in, there are an insane amount of games out there. Just as an aside, um, I was reading a story recently about the history of a certain a publisher over here in the UK because you know in the UK we didn't have the NES. You know this, don't you? Uh, didn't have what? We didn't have the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, NES, yeah, yeah. We didn't have the NES. We didn't have it, okay? We did, but it wasn't until 1988. Think about that. Right? So it was really, really late, and it was really slow. Because all the games are 15% slow because you had PAL TVs. So the, mm-hmm. we didn't, you know. And it had these black borders. You have to see it to believe it. It's horrible. Anyway, um, <laughs> so um, we didn't really glom onto these machines. We had these 8-bit computers instead, you know, the... The Commodore 64, as you know, then we had the BBC, then we had the Amstrad and the Spectrum and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, the reason I bring this up was, was back in the early 80s, there was this publisher called Houston Consultants, okay? Mm-hmm. And they actually followed the same model you are doing, curating, because they, but this, this is back in 1982 when they did this. So you can look it up, you can read about it, you can just look them up. Oh, I Houston, definitely will. Yeah, Houston Consultants. They did exactly what you did. And to this day, Although they're still around and they do other things now, but to this day at the time, their games were well known. They had a quality stamp to them. When you saw Houston written on the front, you go, oh, that's a good one. It's probably a good one. It's very, very rare. It's one of those publishers that really, they didn't make anything themselves. Mm-hmm. All of mm-hmm. it was bringing in developers or 
You know, they, they really were just coders back then because <laughs> yeah. they had to. They had no engines back then. It was all just hitting the hardware, as they, they call it. It was all assembly, basically. All of it. All of it. So they had some very, very clever people making these games, but not that great developing games. So what they would, what, I read the story about this chap who, um, uh, Houston, he actually he got tapes because the media was on tapes. So he basically got games hundreds a day sometimes, you know, coming through the post. And he would sift through them and find the ones that he actually found of worth because he said mm-hmm. the vast, vast majority of them were terrible. <laughs> and he said, you know, but there was that, there was that selection, that gold that I actually managed to sift through. And I sat there, played all these games and found the ones that I found were of worth. And they've made a name for themselves. And I'm thinking that's what you're doing here, you know. Uh, indie game stand needs to make its name for itself for saying if you've got this these three letters IGS appended to a game it's probably really good and that's what you're trying to do right I I, I would exactly say that um, you know and and I will fully admit that I haven't played every single game that's on our store no uh, that would be physically impossible no but someone has right but someone has or you know you can and you can generally look and see if a game or if a developer is kind of someone that that really wants to take their game seriously and yeah. you know kind of get it out there for people to play you know we 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 go we have a criteria um you know and sometimes it's a visual criteria i'm not going to lie but it's something it's someone sitting here being like okay like this game is going to be on our store not not that it's like a huge honor or privilege to be on our store i'm not going to to gloat like that but it's a little bit more um, that I hope our community really appreciates, you know, when the it game was, pops up. It was vetted. Yep. That's all you yep. need to know. It was vetted. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the uh, Xbox indie game thing wasn't really. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, and Steam, was... Steam is kind of becoming a little more open, too, you know, because they it have is, to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that's, and people get mad at them for that. But at the same time, you know, they're, they're trying to manage the volume. And it's kind of extraordinary. A... I don't think they, they're actually succeeding in that, in my humble opinion. I, I don't stopped, think they are either. You know? I stopped it... looking at the store. Sorry, no offense to yourself or your colleagues, but not your store. But I've stopped looking at Steam's store. Like, I've stopped looking at it. It's, it's so much stuff coming out now. Just, I've lost track. Yep. And bearing in mind my, my, you know, my thing about not buying any new games anymore because I've got too many as it is, it's just like okay, fine, you know, um, it's just a wash with stuff. And it, the front, every time you start up Steam, I went to big, like, oh, here we go, big fat advert for a game I already own. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> it's just yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely over gamed. I would I would say we're definitely over gamed. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. But I, I think that that's the goal is for for. Gamers and indie gamers specifically, it's like if you're looking for a game to play, you can go on Steam and probably find something great if you look around. But, you know, look, we're the corner store that the local comic book shop that yeah. may have a different selection or the same selection, but a different way of viewing it. And and that's just what we're looking to do. That's really good. Uh, just, that's what I wanted to get out of you. That's, that's what the feeling I got from it. And uh, if that was your intention, it worked. Definitely. <laughs> Um, on the second question, uh, something I discovered, and I want you to talk about this. Um, what is uh, Elite? What is this IGS Elite thing? Glad you asked that. Yeah. So, basically, we wanted to... Co- we're always trying to figure out, like, a new way to kind of, you know... You know, come up with a creative way to sell and distribute indie games. So, we came up with the Indie Game Stand Elite, which is 
two things. What you get is every pay-what-you-want deal every four days automatically added to your game wallet. So that's a minimum of one game plus all bonus content, which could be other bonus games, soundtracks, etc. So automatically delivered every four days to your to your wallet. And you also get a 20% off discount off of all games in our store taken out at checkout. Okay. Which is taken out of the of our cut, not the developer's cut, to note. Right. So, so it the is developers a, get the same amount of money, exactly it, the same amount of money, regardless it, of what they buy for. And it's graded. It's got a gold, platinum, and bronze or something, isn't it? I'm trying to remember. Sorry. Uh, but you have, a, but it is a subscription service you're promoting mm-hmm. here. Yep. It's just another way of, you know, rather than faffing around, that's a word, I know, um, rather than messing around trying to, you know, find things and then give money that you'd think, oh, this would be worth that. Mm-hmm. It just takes that mess away from you and say, well, you're, you're, you're contributing to the industry as a whole by actually subscribing to the service. Exactly. Knowing, knowing that you're going to get games of, uh, of quality because they've been vetted by people like you. Yeah, I mean, for the year plan, it's it's a hundred bucks, and you get over an, over ninety games throughout the whole year, plus twenty percent off anything in the store that you want to buy, which essentially makes it cheaper than anywhere else. Yeah, and you know, run, yeah. I don't expect you to play a hundred games in a year, but if you're looking for something to play, all you got to do is check your wallet. Yeah. You know, and a hundred dollars can be a lot of people. I understand that, but if you think about it across the course of a year, yeah, um, it 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 is a little bit. If you're if you're a serious game fan, I mean, this is for the hardcore game fans, and then it steps down. You know, you can do quarterly or monthly, what have yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but well, it's just, just another way to get the games out there. It is. It's another way of doing it, and it's it's a relatively recent in, in uh, creation. Yeah, we only launched it in, I, I believe. March. There you go. Only a few months ago. So three yeah. months now. So yeah. I know it's June already. Scary. It's best not think about it. Um, <laughs> Star Wars is approaching. I know, right? Oh, uh, man. <laughs> now you just reminded me. Now I'm of some sad because I have to wait. I forgot about it for a little bit there. We've got another five months yet. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just horrible. I'm going to ask this, and I noticed some icons, and I, I wanted to. You've already mentioned this, hinted at this, but I want. To, to ask you this so you could uh, maybe um, allay some fears of some people. How is IGS integrated with other platforms such as Steam and GOG? Sure. So initially we started as out as DRM-free only, which, you know, for those who don't know what that is, it's no sort of rights management. You could just download the game, a file, and play it, um, whereas Steam would be a, a form of DRM. So essentially, we started as that, but it's been a little bit different um, as a lot of developers just want to launch on Steam due to the fact it's easy to update. Yes, um, that is that is huge, especially early access, and you know, with all the other little stores out there, it is very hard for developers to update files. So, anyway, long story short, we basically offer games however the format we can get them. Ninety um, percent of our games are DRM free on our site. Right. So you don't need to have anything. But a good portion of those games also include Steam keys. So we support Desura, Steam, and DRM free right now. Okay. okay. And GOG is DRM free by default, isn't it? I can't remember. G- yeah, exactly. GOG yeah. is DRM by default. We we when we launched we supported GOG keys, but uh they, they pulled support for third party keys. 
So huh. it's, yeah, it's just Desura, Steam, and DRM free right now. That's fair enough. Okay, I just wanted to you to expand on that because I had yeah. some queries on it, but now you've clarified that because seeing the Steam icon, I'm like, what's that about? Oh, I see, you need a key. Clever. So, final question this is a bit of an open-ended one, and you might sort of say, oh, I can't really talk about this, Chris, but if you could just a hint at what do you see the future? What, what, how do you see yourself evolving into something? In, well, how is it going to grow? What, what's your plans? So the people know what they're buying into, both figuratively and literally. Sure. Well, I think we just launched um, a free game section, which is which is really cool. Um, so developers can launch their demos, their betas, their game jam games, which is a small a small feature. But there is a huge free games market out there for people that don't want to spend any more money on games. Um, it's also kind of like. Grabbing a, an idea, or the developer's got an idea. Exactly. Go, I wonder if someone else done something. Oh, look, they have. <laughs> See what they've done with this, and uh, and also it gives a chance for people doing have done game jams, which are mm-hmm. um, both can be very successful or, or dire. To actually go, look, this is what we made in twenty four hours. Isn't that nuts? And they throw it up, and uh, people could mess around with it, and other developers can mess around with it, maybe if they so choose. So I think no, that's a great endeavor. It's a really good idea. What what else have you got on the cards? Really, we're just trying to focus on curation. I would right. say that that is the biggest thing. I don't exactly know how we're going to do that because no. every day some maddening idea comes up where we're just like, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Um, I think we're just going to continue to try to grow with the market and try to adjust to what people want and what developers want. Um, yeah. We have easily the best developer platform for developers to use on our back end. Like I feel very confident saying that. So our goal for growing is to just make it so easy for developers to upload their games, sell them, market them, and then for customers to be like, I can't stand the overwhelming nature of Steam and I want an indie game, like come to our site. So I think curation, just just giving the best games that we can possibly get and curating them in the best way that we can. So do a Houston, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like look them up I'll give you a link at the end of the show but it's, uh, it sounds like that's, that's, the, that's the winning formula because it worked for them and they've been going almost 40 years so you know it's going to work for you so these games are available on PC, Windows, Mac and Linux is that right? we get it whatever we, we, we support all platforms so it's basically the limitation of what the developer has exported the game as yeah uh, we prefer all platforms but some games are only windows or what have you but that's quite all common, windows yeah like yeah. Uh, i interviewed a developer recently this is an interesting one last uh, last episode um is he used the crytek engine for mm-hmm. his game which is very unusual most people are using unity i'm sure you know that yeah but no crytek it looks glorious uh, oh i bet uh, it looks oh, just yeah. absolutely stunning uh, and it's a hack and slash rpg <laughs> and he's used Crytek engine for it. Like, what are you doing? Like, Look at it. I go, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, because of that, he can't run it on Mac because yep. yeah, doesn't support. <laughs> uh, Unity is the most popular, which you can dump to all the all, like all, all of the things, all, all of the things. Yes. But again, if you're using like Unreal Engine or Crytek Engine or like yeah. Cry, what CryEngine, what is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. You're, you're kind of limited to Windows. I think Win- Windows is definitely our most popular, but yeah, we, yeah. I, I love getting Linux games because there's a sm- there's a huge section of the population of indie gamers that loves Linux games, and it's, yeah. it's really nice when they can uh, come on our site and get stuff. Well, I like them because I have a Steam box. Mm-hmm. 
And I built one last Christmas uh, out of bits and pieces I had lying around at home. And uh, we nerds are like that. We have bits of... Oh, look, this graphics card. Why have I still got this? Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I got our, it. Our other halves are just exasperated. Like, do we need this? We might put it down. Put it down. <laughs> yeah, we might need that. But do, hey, hey, hold on. But it was really good six years ago. Hold on. Yeah. Like, come on. It can run Half-Life 2. Don't yeah. throw it away. But don't don't throw it away. Don't, don't. <laughs> so anyway, so what what I built, you know, I built this Frankenstein monster of a computer to run games on Steam, and uh, it worked. You turn it on, it boots straight into Steam, and there it is. Yeah. Uh, so having uh, uh, actually initially I cheated. I put Windows on top of it, but then I reconfigured it and turned it into a proper Steam box. But initially it had Windows running because I wanted more of the library available. But as mm-hmm. time's gone on, more and more games got converted to Linux. It becomes less of an issue. Uh, which is very good, very good. Matt, thank you very, very, very much for being on the show and being so honest and open about your uh, your platform. I appreciate it, as does our audience. So thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you. I, I, I love it. I love chatting about what we're doing and, and gaming and the indie market and all kinds of things. I absolutely love it. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been an interesting and different show. I hope everyone enjoyed and uh understood that we've gone a little bit of a different tack it's okay come on it's episode 62 <laughs> no just mess things up around a bit rather than all oh, wait for a big hundred episode no let's just do 62 why not and uh, like i said matt thank you very much for being on the show i wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors and so ends another episode of the sausage factory do leave us an itunes review and you can also don't forget listen to us on stitcher.com so just go to stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there you just look up the sausage factory and you can find us that'd be great you can follow me on twitter at chris o'regan no apostrophes and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com bye